Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. If you missed any of our first hour, make sure you're downloading the podcast, 710sports.com. Click on the podcast page. We're there for you as well as every hour of every single one of our shows. Available at your fingertips, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you get your podcasts, you can find us there. He's Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. Plenty in store for this hour of Seattle Sports Saturday. We're taking you up to 1 o'clock here. Mariners taking on the San Francisco Giants later tonight. You can listen to that one in its entirety here on 710 ESPN Seattle. we got a what a pregame show at 5 o'clock tonight, 610 first pitch right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Mariners and Giants. But uh, plenty on the docket as well this weekend. You've got the Final Four in the men's. You've got the National Championship game in the women's bracket on Sunday. You've got the men's National Championship game on Monday. So much to get to. And also, Taylor, uh, it's Masters Week, which is a big deal, obviously. Shout out to uh, all the golf fans out there. And uh, think if you ha- think you have what it takes to pick the winner of this year's Masters, head to 710sports.com slash win. Guess the champion and their winning score, and you can end up winning the ultimate premier golfing pass. That's a round of golf for you and three friends at 10 premier golf courses. Details at 710sports.com slash win. Not a, uh, not a bad prize to, uh, you know, to win there if you got some good golf knowledge. No, Curtis, we just each need to make one more friend, and then we have enough people to go. So that should be semi-difficult for done. us. But we, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> we might not be able to do done. it, but we, I think we can find two people eventually who will just, you know, Maybe. give in to our pleas. Maybe. Hopefully. Uh, remains to be seen. But, uh, yeah, let's get into this hour's big three. Number one. Well, Curtis mentioned it. Final four taking place today slash tonight. Some great matchups if you're a big fan of basketball. First one or first up, Houston and Baylor to square off. Winner taking on UCLA versus Gonzaga in the evening matchup. The less hyped, at least here on the West Coast, it feels like matchup of the two. But Baylor... Pretty dominant season so far this year. Been one of the favorites. A lot of people picked them to be in the finals. And then Houston, a defensive stalwart lately, and they've been able to put together a nice little streak of defensive performances. So will Houston come out on top in that matchup, or will Baylor continue to roll tip-off at 214 today on CBS? And then, of course, the main event, the West Coast matchup, UCLA versus Gonzaga. Who will play the winner of Houston Baylor in the championship? Tip-off at 534 in that one. Who do you think will be playing? Texas at 710, 710 in the championship. Who do we think will be playing in that championship? We'll let you know at 1230. Number two. Well, it came down to the wire this week, but Francisco Lindor and the Mets were able to reach an agreement on a mega extension before the self-imposed deadline of opening day. The deal is for 10 years and a cool $341 million, just $1 million more than what Fernando Tatis Jr. received from the Padres a few weeks ago. Shout out to that level of pettiness from Francisco Lindor and his agent, making sure to 
eclipsed Tatis by just the slimmest of margins. Elsewhere in baseball, we have seen some bizarre things over the season's first couple of days, but probably none more strange than Dodgers outfielder Cody Bellinger passing teammate Justin Turner on the Bates pass during a home run trot, thus negating his bomb, and it proved to be the difference in L.A.'s loss to Colorado. Now, some huge news in Major League Baseball yesterday. Uh, the league announced that they will be moving the 2021 All-Star Game and draft from the Atlanta area to a yet-to-be-determined location in response to a controversial voting law recently passed in the state of Georgia. Maybe Seattle's an option. Wouldn't mind it coming here. It's been about 20 years since the league's Midsummer Classic was here in the Great Northwest. I would, I'd be okay with that. I think some other cities that have been mentioned as possibilities, Kansas City, Milwaukee, and Wrigley Field in Chicago. So keep an eye out for where this year's All-Star Game is headed. Number three. Quick little NBA update here, and this one feels good for people who didn't like the Warriors dynasty. The Warriors last night suffering a 53-point loss to the Toronto Raptors. Again, as the rest of the NBA sort of gangs up on Golden State for all of those blowout victories in years past, but uh, at one point down over 60 points to this Raptors team. So different different ball club or different basketball team down there in the Bay Area when it comes to Warriors basketball. But as far as the standings go, Brooklyn Nets finally sitting atop that Eastern Conference ranking uh, with a half-game lead over the 76ers and the Bucks shortly behind them with three games. But don't look now. Charlotte in fourth in the East. They would play the Atlanta Hawks if the playoffs started today. And your New York Knickerbockers would also be the seventh seed taking on those 76ers in a nice historical matchup between New York and Philly. And on the West, the Jazz continued their dominance, sitting up on top of the Suns by three games in the West. And in front of the Clippers and Lakers, who hit a bit of a rough patch, uh, both the Clippers six games back and Lakers six and a half games back of the Utah Jazz. That is this hour's big three. Some honorable mentions. The coaching carousel in college basketball spinning furiously this week. We saw Loyola Chicago head coach Porter Moser leave to uh, take the job at Oklahoma as Lon Kruger retired. And then Chris Beard, who just two seasons ago was in the national championship game with Texas Tech, is their head coach. He's leaving to become the head coach at Texas after Shaka Smart left for Marquette. Picking up all that, there's a lot to uh, lot, lot there. Maybe there's going to be some more on the way. Who knows? You, you missed one, too. Bill Self lifetime deal down there in Lawrence, Kansas. (laughs) Holy cow. A five-year rolling contract where one year, when he finishes one, another year is added on to the end. So he has a permanent five-year deal with the Jayhawks until he's done coaching. But uh, in a week with Roy Roy Williams retiring too, all this movement, the Final Four, it's a great time to be a college basketball fan. Yeah, Taylor, you bring up Roy Williams' retirement. That is obviously on the list of honorable mentions here because of just his impact on the college game. Uh, I mean, you being a Kansas Jayhawk fan, 
had an opportunity to go to one of his camps, you know, when you were a kid growing up, and then obviously the success he had at North Carolina, really helping uh, two blue blood programs reach the level at which they are, uh, you know, currently at here. I mean, you look at, among the great college basketball coaches of our lifetime, uh, Coach K obviously being up there, but I would say Roy Williams probably within the top, you know, three or four over the course of the last 30, 40 years. Yeah, and I think he and Coach K are sort of our generation's Dean Smith and John Wooden. And those two are giants. And I'm not going to say that they're Coach K or, or Roy Williams. Maybe even are better than those two coaches. But that feeling of just the dominance, the expectations of success, and, and making these programs truly the blue bloods, like we always talk about, it starts at the top and it starts with those coaches. And Roy Williams could not have been a classier coach for both Kansas and North Carolina and what he, what impact he had on those two programs. And just quickly for me, yes, I went to his basketball camp, so I'm a little bit biased. His his signature sits over my shoulder right behind me right now from his last season at Kansas. Um, he He was everything, and he was so cool, and his presence when he walked in the gym and on the court didn't matter if you were a kid at a camp like me or Nick Collison or Kirk Heinrich or Drew Gooden or any of the North Carolinas. Marvin Williams played for him, and... Sean May, Raymond Felton, such great teams he's been a part of and the programs. It's uh it's a loss for college basketball, but what an opportunity we got to see this guy coach in our life. Absolutely. Uh shout out to him for uh just a tremendous career. And then some other honorable mentions. If you caught it this morning, uh definitely grab your attention. That'd be the new Space Jam trailer, Space Jam Legacy trailer featuring lebron james taylor you and i uh probably the two biggest space jam fans amongst day-to-day staff at at 710 espn seattle uh how are we feeling about the new space jam legacy trailer i gotta be honest i enjoyed my two minutes and like 15 seconds of viewing how about you i gotta be honest curtis i really enjoyed my two minutes and 15 seconds um it looked like a for those who are familiar it looked like the book and the less successful movie ready player one but if they had put don Cheadle, oh yes thank you matt oh first of all this song coming up this song is so good oh it's so good I wore Space Jams at my wedding. I played Space Jam at my engagement party. We danced to this song at our wedding. Like, there are so many things that in my life have revolved around Space Jam. I just am so happy we get to go back. I'm happy for a second one. I'm not expecting an Academy Award winning film, and you shouldn't be either. It's fun for the whole family. I'm pumped. Listen to the song and tell me you're not excited. I think the thing I'm most anticipating is the soundtrack because as we're hearing right now the original full of bangers from start to finish one of the most iconic soundtracks really in cinema history and salt and pepper coolio method man um they had be real from cypress hill like seal (laughs) i mean uh r kelly a little bit weird about that one but other than that 
Quad City DJs who perform this song. What a soundtrack. Um, I hope they bring it. I hope, I mean, Kugler was able to get Kendrick Lamar and some of his other stuff. So yeah. let's go, Ryan. I hope you're bringing the heat on this one, too. I'm hyped for that. I'm, I'm super hyped. It releases this summer, I think in July, uh, is when yep. Space Jam Legacy hits theaters and on HBO. You, you, you can bet we will be watching it on the day it releases. <laughs> There's no doubt we may about have to that. D- it might be a two-hour uh, show just on Space Jam after that day. It might be. It might be a reaction show. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, also looking forward to what we've got in store here in this hour. But uh, we've got some Final Four predictions coming your way around 1230. But up next, some NFL headlines, including the addition of a 17th game to the NFL schedule. That's all up ahead here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. You know that music. It's time for NFL headlines. Before we get into that, text to the or text to the uh, text line here from the two five three talking about the Space Jam soundtrack. They say we use that as our walk off song at our wedding. So shout out to the two five three. Chef's I mean, kiss. Holding it, holding it down right there. Real real ones, no. And if you're not, better educate it's true. yourself. It's true. Uh, plenty around the NFL this week in terms of headlines, but the biggest one obviously being the addition of the 17th game to the schedule. Seahawks will travel to Pittsburgh at some point in the 2021 season uh, for their 17th game. So they'll play eight home games and nine road games and then the following season, that flips. The NFC will then host nine home games and will play eight road games. I think the most jarring thing to me, Taylor, is the final records of these teams will not be you know the even numbers that we're used to. You're not going to see eight and eight, nine and seven, ten and six, eleven and five, twelve and four. Now you're going to see ten and seven. You're going to see eleven and six, twelve and five, thirteen and four. I don't like that at all. That looks weird. Yeah, it, it it sort of lessens both the wins and it amplifies the losses, right? Like, it just feels so weird to me. I, I'm not a fan. Look, here, let me rephrase. I'm a fan of the players getting another game check and those veteran players and some of the minimum players in the league getting another game check. Great. Love that. I mean, no disrespect from what I'm about to say into that regard, but... I, I just don't like it. I think it looks weird. The the Half the teams have one more home game than the others. It shifts, but if you change teams, I mean, you could have, for two straight seasons, you could have one less home game than the other team. Uh, and, and it just feels that, does, not that, look, not that the NFL is fair, but the system doesn't need that. And why go to 17? Look, I know their bodies probably 18 is most likely a big ask, but it just feels unnecessary, and I, I'm not a big fan of the 17 games. I would be more of a fan of the 17 games if they had worked in another bye week in the schedule because you're Good asking, point. you know, what if you get an early bye in week three or week four? You're going to be mm. playing 13, 14 games in a row which no one wants. Uh, 
I do like that they're getting rid of a preseason game, so it goes down to three, which, I mean, who among us wants four preseason games at all? I'm not one of them. I thought this last year was great because we didn't have any preseason games. It went straight into the regular season. Totally fine with that. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, the 17 games, it's a big ask of the players uh, you know, you got to pay them more. They got to get a bigger, bigger chunk of of the revenue split between the owners and the players. Um, I can't imagine there are many players that are like, "Yeah, let's go out and play a, another game on this schedule that is already so taxing on them." Um, I mean, it, it is. Have we reached a point where there may be too much football in a way where we get games on what four days a week now Thursday Sunday Monday maybe the occasional Saturday game Saturday game here or there you, they added the extra playoff game this last season in the wild card round I don't know it has it, does the NFL run the risk of oversaturating itself by adding this 17th game I don't think we're at that point it's a great question Curtis I don't think we're at that point yet um mainly because i think the players you know it's not that big of a turnoff to move from 16 to 17 but i think if you were to see you know a bigger jump continued the four preseason games the players start to get turned off they disconnect at the end of the season then maybe i I think you could see that sort of jump the shark type feeling but NFL's king, and in this country, it still moves the needle quite a bit. So uh, we're not there yet, but uh, if we're not careful, we may go down the Brock Heward slippery slope and end up there. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. I just ask that in the future they consider putting Super Bowl on on a Saturday rather than on a Sunday so that we can have that day Uh, off after the game to to recuperate. Could you imagine the... People would turn up so much harder. Oh, my gosh. It would be such a bigger party, and I think that's what we all want anyways. So, yeah, give us the Super Bowl Saturday. Let us us recover on Sunday. Absolutely. Some other news, uh, this one involving Jaron Reed, former Seahawk, and it looked like all the advice that was given to him was to stay in Seattle, including from his agent, uh, who suggested that he take the Seahawks restructure rather than ask for his release and go elsewhere? Because as it turns out, Jaron Reed turned down a couple million dollars in order to go to a team that he quote unquote wanted that wanted him. And I I th- I think Jaron Reed did find a good landing spot for himself in Kansas City, playing next to Chris Jones and Frank Clark, but his earning potential much more up in the air than what it would have been had he stayed in Seattle. And maybe there it did come to, to a point with him in his career where he's like, I just, I don't feel wanted. I want to go to a place where I want to play. And, and look, I mean, who among us, you know, there, there are a lot of people we know that take jobs just because they want to feel wanted at the place they work for. Maybe they're making less money. Who knows? But, I still feel like Jaron Reed's role on the Seahawks was much bigger than what it's going to be in Kansas City, and I think that may hurt his earning potential when he hits free agency again in a year. Yeah, and I mean, if look, if he wants to go and win a championship, Kansas City's was knocking on the door this year. They won it the year before. I'm assuming they'll be right in the mix next season as well. So he'll be playing for 
for it all still. But yeah, Curtis, just the the monetary decision behind it. He's the situation here in Seattle didn't seem like that drastically different that he needed out that he wasn't being valued. But again, we're not in those meetings. We're not in those negotiations. But from the outsider perspective, this is a big head scratcher. And a lot of people around the league, both here in Seattle and just pundits around the league, are still scratching their head about why and how this all happened. Yeah, it it just it makes it's still kind of hard to wrap your head around Jaron Reed turning down as much money as he did with the Seahawks in order to take that gig with the Chiefs, but uh, very interesting. Another interesting situation worth monitoring is the one in San Francisco with quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, what they plan or don't plan on doing with him, but it looks like they're asking price for him pretty steep. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan putting a first-round price tag on Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they're doing that in large part to recuperate some of the losses they took in acquiring the number three overall pick, which, I mean, more power to them. But if you're a GM, Taylor, and you're looking at the wide array of quarterbacks available right now, is a first-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo a price tag you anybody really would feel comfortable paying? No, and if they do, I, I would love to have a serious conversation about what they're watching when they see this guy play because, boy, oh boy a first-rounder in this year's QB draft, like, let me rephrase, in any draft is ridiculous, yeah. and he hasn't even warranted maybe even a third-rounder. Like, he's been that big of a bust as far as the dollars to production value. Um, so for me... If a team bites on this, they deserve to lose. They deserve everything they get from giving up a first-rounder for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I wish them nothing but no success. <laughs> but he does have immaculate eyebrows and the jawline that could, you know, that could cut steel. Yeah, I think some of my bitterness does come from the fact that he looks that good. So, like, dude, I don't feel bad for you. Look at me. I don't look like you. I got to do the things I got to do from just looking like this. You get to do the things you're doing looking like that. Come on, man. You got to be better. And then also in NFL headlines, it's mock draft season. It's upon us. Yes. Get your coats out ready because you feel that? That's the mock draft win coming your way. Todd McShay from ESPN releasing a two-round mock draft. So that means the Seahawks are making a pick in this one. At pick 56, he has the Seahawks taking senior bowl standout. That'd be guard Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater. Uh, I believe it's a D3 school. But Taylor, a guard first-round pick. Seahawks have always had sort of an infatuation with guys at the senior bowl Former Seahawk front office member Jim Nagy runs that uh, off-season bowl there. What do you make of Quinn Miners, a guard, being Seattle's second-round pick? I'm okay with that. Look, we, we saw it last season, and what happens when there's injuries on that offensive line? Depth. You're not going to be leaning on this guy to come in and be an, a super impact starter. And you might not even be able to find any of those players in the second or third for the, for the openings that they have on this team. So, yes, you want to go out and, and show Russell Wilson you value the depth of this offensive line and making sure he's protected? By all means, use that pick on, on a guard. 
That is going to do it for our trip around the NFL here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Coming up next, we take a look at today's Final Four slate. Gonzaga, UCLA, Baylor, Houston. Who do we have winning? Who's going to be playing for a national title on Monday night? We'll get into that next year on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Make sure you're texting in your shout-outs to 710-710. That's the 710 ESPN Seattle text line. We get you yours. We'll tell you ours coming up in about 15 minutes from now here on Seattle Sports Saturday. But, Taylor, this is a big Saturday in college basketball. As we'll know, the national championship game after tonight's action uh, the first game of the day, Baylor against Houston, and then the second one, the nightcap, the one that everybody is paying attention to out here on the West Coast. That'll be number 11 seeded UCLA taking on the number one seed, your Gonzaga Bulldogs. Uh, the Zags looking to cement their place in NCAA history with a perfect season, something that hasn't happened in, what, 45 years or so? 1976 was the last time we saw any team run the table in the NCAA tournament. But, Taylor, I mean, this tournament has a way of, I think, evening itself out near the end. Obviously, this year with an 11 seed in the Final Four, that didn't necessarily that didn't necessarily hold true the entire way. But very rarely do we see Cinderella's like an 11 seed at UCLA team make it to the national title game. And you've got two... I would say the two best programs in college basketball right now are Gonzaga and Baylor, and they've been that way over the last two seasons. Do you see it veering at all from this collision course that we've been kind of hoping over the last two seasons would come to fruition in Gonzaga and Baylor, or, or do you give Houston and UCLA any shot tonight? So, look, I'll preface this by saying I picked Gonzaga-Baylor. That was the the two I picked. It, it's not – look, not – crazy to pick those two to be in the national championship game but that's who i thought they're the two best teams they've played that way i thought they were going to meet in the championship so my head tells me go with that my heart there's something about this houston team man and what they've been able to do to teams and to withstand that oregon state run another team with a ton of heart a ton of fight and what a great game that was but just Led by Giroux, uh, Dijon Giroux, he has been so good and defensively everywhere for this team that my heart's telling me, take these Cougs and take this Houston Cougar team because defensively, I think they're going to cause some issues for Baylor. But again, you look at this Baylor program and what they've been able to build. And fun fact, this, this game features six transfers, so it'll be one of the most heavily transferred games and basketball college basketball history um so you're already seeing that sort of transfer era these teams able to take advantage of some of that to to help build their program so uh i i just my head baylor gonzaga i don't think gonzaga's losing I, they play such good basketball as a coog as someone who didn't grow up in Spokane, it pains me to say that because I loved giving my Spokane fr- friends just the, the time, the business because of Gonzaga and how much they <laughs> love Gonzaga out there. But 
I honestly, as a pure basketball is my favorite sport, I can't find anything I don't like about this Gonzaga team. They make the extra pass. They take the smart shot. They play hard on defense. They hustle. They believe. They play for each other. You can tell all of these things by the way they play. And it's it's great. And I want more teams to play like that. So to me, I feel like Gonzaga is going to be able to handle UCLA. But my I'm split. My heart's telling me Houston. My head's telling me Baylor. What about you, Curtis? Do you think UCLA has a, has a shot against these Zags? I, I don't think they do. I think this Gonzaga team has shown not just over the last 365 days, but I would say the last, like, maybe 500 days that they're the best team in the country. Like, this Gonzaga team is doing what everybody has hoped they would do at some point over the last 20-something years, and that's blow out every team that they play, no matter the opponent, and they're doing just that. And unfortunately, there is a, a subsection of college basketball fan that will never be satisfied with what the Zags do. And that's unfortunate because if you're going to be that kind of fan, you are going to miss out on greatness in front of our very own eyes. If if Gonzaga wins these next two games, and they do so going away, they do so by double-digit points in both games, you're looking at one of, I would say, probably the top ten greatest college basketball teams to ever be assembled. And, yeah, they played in the West Coast Conference, but that shouldn't take away from what they did in the non-conference slate this year, beating four ranked teams. Uh, you know, Gonzaga and Baylor nearly met in the regular season, and that game got canceled because of COVID. And I'm kind of glad it did because now it, it, it amps up a possibility of a, a huge matchup on Monday if those two teams are the ones that do advance here tonight. Now, if Gonzaga does lose, then this will go down as one of the biggest choke jobs, I, I would say, in NCAA history. But nothing I've seen from Gonzaga this year has shown me that they will they will do that. I, it looks to me like this Gonzaga team just is so focused on finishing the job, and for whatever reason, like no team in their way has even been able to put up a fight. Uh, I think their closest game this year, their only close game this year was against, I think, West Virginia in the non-conference slate, and that was the only game decided by less than 10 points. I look at this Gonzaga team, man, and just there is something about them that you just haven't seen from many other dominant college teams over you know the last 20, so, 20 or so years. I, I mean, I would put this team on the level of maybe that 06 Florida team that went back-to-back. I would put them up there with like 01 Duke with like Shane Battier, Mike Dunleavy. I mean, they're they're if they're able to finish this, they are one of the most you know, this is one of the best teams in college basketball history. Yeah, and they may not have the star or name recognition like that Kentucky team a few years ago that worked Kansas over in the championship game, but they play that well. And they, again, rebounding, assists, steals, efficient shooting, efficient three-point shooting, great great free throw shooting. Like from the top to the bottom, Gonzaga is exactly what you would want your team to look like. Now, look, there's UW fans, Wazoo fans who still have a hard time rooting for the Zags. I understand it. I get it. But 
from a basketball standpoint, you just cannot hate on these guys and what they do. And Curtis, like you, like you mentioned, nothing they have done in the past two years leads you to believe that they are going to lose this game today. They still might. Look, they got to play the games and don't ever count a team out before they play because, it's, look, a team like UCLA, they got nothing to lose. They got to go. They can go for it all. If they lose, they were the underseed. It's Gonzaga. They were. It was expected. If they win, Curtis, you're talking about it. It's one of the biggest upsets in college basketball. It will stand out as one of those momentous victories from a school that may have the most momentous moments ever in college basketball history. Right? Like this would stand out from the wooden era, from all of the the baby Bruins, this would be above and beyond a victory. But there's just, there's no evidence from Gonzaga that that leads me to believe that this is going to happen. As much as I'd love for the Pac-12 to be playing for a a title, and even if it's UCLA, I just don't see, I just, I I can't see it. Yeah, it's going to be very tough for UCLA to hang with Gonzaga, especially with how small UCLA's rotation has been here in the tournament. Uh, if any of their big starters, you know, if Jaime Jaquez or, or Johnny Juzang, if they find themselves in, in foul trouble today, watch out because <laughs> Gonzaga's going to take off and, and they're going to go crazy. Drew Timmy, Corey Kispert, Jalen Suggs, all these guys. And, I mean, you look at what Gonzaga can do next year. They're in the final, uh, you know, group for Chet Holmgren, the number one prospect in the country right now a seven footer uh they just signed another five-star prospect too a a couple days ago as well so if you think this is the end of it for gonzaga i mean they're landing every five star in the country right now uh they're going to be back regardless of how these next couple days play out in the ncaa tournament this is not the end of it for gonzaga i think as much as a lot of west coast hoops fans kind of hope to be because especially here in the state of Washington how can you compete with a, a factory an NBA factory is what they've turned themselves into over there in Spokane and not only that Curtis the West Coast Conference has gotten a lot better there's a lot of programs that have taken it seriously and invested those resources into the basketball team to try and compete with Gonzaga and look no one's been successful at doing that but they've raised the bar, and Gonzaga is pushing the conference forward. And to all these people who say they just run through their regular season conference, they don't play anyone hard, they hey, they still go out and schedule big-time games every single year. They do not shy away from that spotlight. They do not run from the competition. Their strength of schedule is always one of the tops, and that's with the WCC conference schedule in there as well. So... The days of UW and Wazoo thinking Gonzaga is a little brother, the third brother in this family, long, long, long dead are those thoughts that this is, like the texter said, it's the West Coast Duke, the West Coast North Carolina, whatever you want to call it, Gonzaga is our new blue blood here on the West Coast. Yeah, good text here from the 206. They say nobody complained about UNLV or Butler's conferences when they were making their runs. Uh some of those teams were the greatest ever. Very oh, fair point. That 91 Very UNLV, yeah. 91 UNLV, that's one of my favorite teams in basketball ever. And, and they played, again, a similar style of basketball where everyone was bought in. Stacy Ogman, Grandma Ma, Larry Johnson, they just had the guys to, to, to do it, and they were bought in. 
you know, the coaches over there biting on the towel, having a good time, and no one's talking about, yeah, UNLV or Butler or any of those teams making those runs in their conferences. Coming up next, we get you our shout-outs. We'll read your shout-outs as well. Text those in to the text line 710-710 as we put a bow on this edition of Seattle Sports Saturday. That's next on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Time for shout-outs here on 710 ESPN Seattle. This is Seattle Sports Saturday. It's your turn and our turn to shout-out anybody here in the sports world over the last week or so. And uh, some good ones here on the text line from the 360. Shout-out to the M's opening night. Anything with Dave Niehaus' voice reminding us of what baseball was, is, and always will be a matter of the heart. Absolutely, 360. That's always one of my favorite aspects of, of opening day is we get to hear uh, – you know all the voiceovers that Dave Niehaus did over the years to you know signify baseball coming back. I mean, it's been what eleven years since uh, you know Dave Niehaus's passing, his untimely passing, and I, I mean, just anybody in sports media in this town has been impacted by his his career here. Uh, you know, us being the Mariners' flagship station, we get you know. Our our audio archives of Mariners highlights is expansive already, and the fact that Dave Niehaus's voice is attached to, I want to say like seventy five eighty percent of them is is an incredible an incredible thing, uh, and just yeah, anytime you get to hear his voice again, you always savor that. Yeah. And- it makes you uh, realize how lucky we are here in Seattle in the Northwest. Some of the voices we've had, Bob Blackburn, Bob Robb, you know, Rondo, all the way now, Calabro, um, you have Niehaus, Riz, the, maybe the best baseball person ever. Like when Rick Riz walks in the, in the room, your love for baseball just escalates. I don't care if you're Griffey. I don't care if you're Rob Manfred. I don't care who you are or what your impact in the game of baseball is. When Rizzer is in the building, in the room with you, you just feel the joy and the love of the game. And I mean, you have the, you, you, we have it on all the sports, and we're so lucky. And Rabes, obviously Steve Rabes, Rabel, <clears throat> just legends, legendary voices here in Seattle. So we're so, so lucky to, to, to have these people narrate some of these great moments for us. And to hear Dave come out again, love that. Another shout-out on the text line from the 206. Shout-out to you two. Look forward to this show every weekend. Also, shout-out to Jake Stacy and Brian the Astronaut. These two shows have yeah. gotten me through the pandemic. Oh, shout-out to Brian the Astronaut. Uh, from what I hear, he's a great guy. Never met him, but uh, shout-out to him. Never met him, but you you look at his resume, you look at the accolades, astronaut, top of his class, <laughs> chiseled chin, doctor. Um, I'm assuming he will most likely be the next James Bond. It's just a rumor, but I've heard he's in the running to be the next James Bond. The first American to be in the running for James Bond. Let's not forget that. So, yeah, shout out to Brian. Yeah. And, you know, we can only, you know, Curtis and I were married, but we can only, we can still look and say, you know what? 
that's something we can strive for in our own relationships. Yeah. I want to be Brian. I want to be like Brian. Always be more like yep. Brian. But yeah, two hundred six saying uh, we've gotten them through the pandemic. Man, I mean, you, you always when you hear messages like that. Yeah, I would say one hundred percent vice versa. If it wasn't for our incredible listenership here on seven ten ESPN, not just of this show, but of all shows. Uh, we still wouldn't be doing what we're doing. So thank you guys for, for sticking with us, especially, you know, a year ago today, there was, there was no sports going on. So shout out to you guys for, for sticking with us through it all. And, and look, we're, you know, each and every day, each and every day, there, there are these milestones that we hit as a society that bring us closer and closer to, uh, I guess, normalcy. And I think opening day for me was one that really like hit home when we were back at the ballpark uh it was like holy cow like this would not have been possible a year ago and here we are um so shout out to everybody that made that possible uh over the last 375 380 days or however long it was uh, when when the world essentially shut down a year ago. So shout out to everybody making that possible. Taylor, I think it's time for our shout outs here uh, this week. Who are you shouting out here on this Seattle Sports Saturday? Yeah, I'll shout out uh, one. My dad's birthday's tomorrow, so I'll shout him out. But uh, also, again, you were talking about a year ago. I'll shout out both my parents for going through COVID at the start of things, and, you know, my dad celebrated his birthday last year on a ventilator, so we get to celebrate this year in person. They're vaccinated. Um, my mom talking to WebMD and telling her story about what it was like to be a spouse, to be a wife, to be a mother during COVID, and, and to watch your loved one be on a ventilator when, again, we had no information. It was still so new. We didn't know how we got sick, all of this stuff. So what a year, the highs, the lows. Um, so to be here, to be able to celebrate tomorrow, I think be on behalf of my family, I think shout out to, uh, to, my, to my parents, to my mom and my dad for the two different journeys they went through through COVID. And then on the flip side of things, Curtis, uh, DMX, a, a big rapper we're all familiar with, <clears throat> had a, oh, yeah. a, a, an apparent drug overdose. Uh, this morning and it looks like he's in, in not too great conditions so um, he's had a massive impact just on, on hip-hop that which had an impact on me and my life and the fact that he was struggling um, you never want to see that right so there are resources out there um, for people who are looking for it 1-800-662-HELP um, so if you're struggling with any sort of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, behavioral, anything, call that number 1-800-662-HELP. Someone to talk to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 a days a year. You're not alone. There are people out there who want to help you. And if Curtis and I can just help get that message out there to get you some help, I think then this show has been a success. Yeah. DMX, an icon. Uh, in in the rap and hip hop game, I mean, just hit after hit after hit. Uh, I mean, yep. the guy the guy has lived a, a very hard life, but man, oh man, yes. he has given a lot to uh, to so many. So uh, we're pulling for him there. Uh, you know, over the next 
24, 48 hours, however long it's going to take for hopefully things to improve in in that situation there. Uh, my shout-out this week, uh, last night, well, it's it's taken everything out of me to not just go two hours on the Arizona women's yes. basketball team. I You've done so here. good, Curtis. Uh, You've done so yeah. good. <laughs> I've got my U of A shirt on right now. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be decked out head to toe in Arizona Wildcats gear as they take on Stanford in the, in the national championship game. And when you think of Arizona, you do think of them as a basketball school, but when you think of the women's program, not so much. I mean, this is their first tournament appearance, first tournament appearance in 16 years. And they're playing for the national championship game and then beating UConn last night, just the thrill of a lifetime. I have never, of all the teams that I've rooted for, none of them have ever pulled off an upset quite that momentous, uh, beating basically the modern day version of the Soviet hockey team. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. like that's what UConn hoops is in the women's game is just an absolute machine, and not just beating them but controlling it from the start to the finish. Uh, Adia Barnes, head coach, you know, you saw her in the post game huddle last night. And just letting it all rip, uh, you know, telling the the doubters and the haters, you know, to uh, do something with themselves. Uh, I can't really repeat what she said, but when you see that and you see the reaction from the players, I mean, you can't help but smile. Uh, Just having a moment like that. That's what sports are all about. It's those moments of just pure uh, joy and adulation and just, you know, where you kind of lose it for a second and then it brings it all back. And then shout out to Ari McDonald, who has just been a stone cold killer throughout this tournament. I'm so excited for tomorrow night's national championship game as they take on Dave Lyman, Stanford Cardinal. I've already been texting back and forth with him over the last uh, you know twelve hours or so. Uh, we're you know throwing insults at each other. I told Jake, Jake Heaps, hey, tell your boy Russ uh, to tell his sister that Stanford's going down. Because, you know, Anna Wilson, she's a Stanford Cardinal. Uh, so maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, uh, luck can strike twice here on the same weekend. But, uh, yeah, shout out to U of A. Shout out to my, my alma mater. Bear down, love, baby. Love Bear all I'm the way down. Bear down. All the way down. Uh, that is going to do it for us here this afternoon on Seattle Sports Saturday. Make sure you are keeping it locked. For Mariners baseball later tonight, 5 o'clock pregame show, 6-10 first pitch as they take on the San Francisco Giants in the series finale. We will not be back with you next week as Mariners baseball will preempt us, but we'll be be back in two weeks here on Seattle Sports Saturday. He's Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. Big thanks to Matt Nelson in the studio. That's going to do it for us here on 710 ESPN Seattle.